it felt like, you know, my North Star, my rock was taken away from me because he helped me get through so much, even though I, I never knew him, and I wish I was able to tell him how much he meant to me. Welcome back to the Getting Buckets podcast. I'm Ethan. I'm David. And we've had a pretty exciting week of NBA playoff action once again. Now that the Jazz and Nuggets officially finished their game. So we see now that the Raptors have swept the Nets. And, and the Sixers have, sw- have lost to the Celtics in the sweep also. So I think let's just start talking about the Sixers because what a mess. Yeah, it's a tragedy. So their season is over. Joel Embiid, at the end of the game, he said that he wants to spend the rest of his career there. Uh, Anna Horford, wife of Al Horford, said that Al Horford looks really bad on the floor when Joel is there. So there's seemingly some conflict there. At least she notices. Uh, she's noticing what we all know is, but I think maybe she's implying that you know he should be... I don't think she's saying that he should come off the bench or anything. But because Al Horford is their starting center, and it's actually painful to see him, you know, on possessions stand in the corner when he's always been a post-up guy. I think that's kind of a testament to how poor the coach they are. But I'll get back to that in a second. And you know, he was asked what kind of problems there are with the team, and Joel Embiid basically said there are no problems. They just lost the series. Oh, look, obviously he has to say that. But anybody with common sense knows that there's a lot wrong with the Sixers team. So what do you think is wrong right now? Well, with the, the Sixers. The first issue has to be. Tobias Harris and Al Horford. I mean, Tobias Harris is getting paid superstar money to be a borderline also player. And Al Horford is getting paid insane money also. And he's unfortunately was coming off the bench, which is insane to be getting paid that much. He's getting paid, what, like 20, close to $27 million a year, which is crazy. So that's the first problem. The second problem obviously has to be Brett Brown. I mean, every time they face the Celtics, in the playoffs, they've, he's been thoroughly outcoached by Brad Stevens, and it hasn't even been close. He just, he's just not set for this. He's not made for this job, and which is funny because you know when he was hired, he was basically like part of the process. Yeah, and and it's also kind of sad now because it seems like the Sixers honestly may have to go through another type of process, uh, just to you know get rid of this Tobias. And Al Horford contracts that there's no way anybody's going to be trying to get put those contracts on their books at all until they become expiring contracts. But who's going to take them? No one. Exactly. So they're stuck with they're stuck with them for the next four years. Um, I'll ask you point blank right now. We've kind of touched about this on other episodes, but just while it's fresh in our minds, do you think the Sixers need a big trade right now? That it's definitely going to happen. I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot of uh, movement that happens in this franchise. Over the summer, um, Joel Embiid, in my opinion, is going to get traded. Uh, who knows what they're going to get in return for him? Probably a good amount. Um, I don't know. Uh, Elton Brand really has just done a terrible job. Of his, we saw uh, that meme. It was like, you know, he's basically Steve Mills. Yeah, I mean, he's just done a terrible job of assembling a competent roster that fits. I mean, he kind of just tried to do the Daryl Morey thing that he did in Houston, where Daryl Morey would just... You know, taking any superstar, regardless of how it would mesh and see how it would fit. You know, with Russell Westbrook, it, it looks like it's working. But in this case... Well, it's but, working with him sitting on the bench during the playoffs. Well, I mean, also, but they were winning games in the regular season. But besides that, 
Um, you know, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid don't look like they're together, and Tobias Harris and Al Horford really are, Al Horford especially, are just really not good fits with this team whatsoever. And they have no shooting. Josh Richardson is not as good as he was last year when he was on Miami. He's still like a solid player, but still, like, they're really missing a lot of shooting on this team. This team has a lot of problems. And I'm really just very keen to see what is going to happen in this organization over the next, over the summer and over the next few years, depending on which direction they decide to go with, whether it be Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. I don't think that the outcoaching has been the problem. I think that Ben, you know, Brett Brown is going to get scapegoated. They're going to get rid of him. They're going to get some new coach. He has uh, not been. He is, but for the amount of talent that he's had on his team, his the results are unacceptable. But there's nothing organic about the process, and I hope you know. I mean, the, the process for all the praise it's got just because it started off as. Keep in mind that when it started off, like you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, the Sixers were mocked ruthlessly because it, they were getting no results. And basically, the plan was just tank until you get a pick, tank until you get a second pick, tank until you get a third pick, get superstars out of that quality of players. If it doesn't work, you just end their careers, as we've seen happen with guys like Julio Okafor and Markel Fultz, Michael Carter-Williams. You know, just they get thrown to the wayside the minute there's a guy who's marginally better. It's You know, there's there's no sense of development. It's just it's looking for generational talent. So, of course, it's not going to work. There is no infrastructure to support them there. You know, they, they I mean, they got bounced in four this year. Last year, they actually almost beat the Raptors. Had a much better team. So I don't wise they did. Yeah, but but you know they were one Kawhi game winner away from advancing to the next round. Who well, knows? they were they were going to go to overtime and anything could have happened. Sure, but I mean that was still against the eventual champs. And you know, I look at the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't think it's a coaching problem. I think it is as much an ethic problem, and I think it is as much the fact that there there is no sense of culture there. There's no sense of uh, you know winning as a team. That's all gone. It's it's like a lifeless husk of salaries and personalities that just clash. There's there's no there's nothing there that's enjoyable for me to watch. It, it's just such a despicable team to watch as a fan. I don't even understand how Philadelphia fans can enjoy watching that team, especially like you said, a team with so much talent. A team that supposedly added a bunch of talent, too. I mean, obviously, Al Horford didn't pan out. But Tobias Harris had to get that kind of money. There's no way they could have let him walk. They would have had too big of a hole. They had to re-sign him. Regardless of that, he's just way too overpaid. For sure. But there's a difference between him being a bit overpaid but and Al Horford. He's not a bit overpaid. He's a lot overpaid. I mean, I don't think so. He's going to be making like $41 million in his final year. There was a legitimate it's risk awesome. of him going away to a rival. And they would not have had an answer to replace him because, as we've seen, they're an extremely thin team. On you know, on paper, they've had some guys who performed this year for them off the bench, but generally they've been a paper thin team. And so, I understand why they went for this whole like five All Star caliber esque lineup. You know, J- Jason Richardson is, or J- sorry, Josh Richardson is not a. I said Jason Richardson because he's like a metal guitarist, but Josh Richardson is. Obviously not an all-star level player, but he's still very good, or at least he was with the Heat. So I don't think it's necessarily a coaching problem, though anytime you're a coach with that level of talent, you're going to get fired. And I mean, that's why Kenny Atkinson also got fired this year. Uh, Same thing. If you're not getting results at the end of the day, it's going to come on you. That's what you're hired to do. But I think the problem is, is way higher than him. It starts with Elton Brand, 
and this whole idea of the process just needs to be undone. You got to. I think that they need to pick one star, whether it's Embiid or Simmons. They got to get a return of the other one, and they need to find a guy who will actually foster some sort of culture and some sort of sense of teamwork on that team. Because all it is is just guys who play for themselves, and who, they're so talented that they end up winning a bunch of games. But what were they? The sixth seed this year? You know, their biggest achievement was beating the Milwaukee Bucks on Christmas. I mean, this is a joke. So, I think that's enough to talk about for the Sixers. And now, um, Boston is in a really good position to actually make some noise for the rest of the playoffs. Well, that's uh, going to be a very interesting series between Boston and the Raptors, who just swept our Nets. And honestly... There's not much to talk about with the Nets, honestly. Good riddance. I mean, the Nets, they overperformed in the bubble in the regular season... I think Toronto also just games. locked up. They just really they they shut down Karras every game he's, except he, for this one. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, listen, the Nets really didn't have much talent going into the bubble. They lost um, ten players going into. Put it. in a, together a team of G League guys. Some of them really played well, um, and you know we got some you know shining stars. You know TLC, Timothy Law, Carroll. He just exploded. Played really well. He's going to be on the team next year, actually, for one more year. So that's a pretty good for us. Cristiozo looked awesome. Cristiozo looked great. Um, but, I just can't wait for Tyler Johnson to be gone. But honestly, replace him with Kyrie. Replace TLC in the starting lineup with Kevin Durant, and you know that's gonna be awesome. But team. you know the Nets are gonna be doing some shopping uh, this summer too. They need to. So you know whether that be Karras is not on the team anymore, or Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, some combination of those three. I had a dream that Spencer Dinwiddie got traded to LA for their, you know their next two draft picks and Kyle Kuzma and I was a nightmare I woke up at 4am shaking I well, was so scared regardless of your dream the Nets will be doing shopping this summer they're going to do some lineup changes for sure no no disrespect to, it's more of a scared of getting Kyle Kuzma than it is uh, no yeah, def- definitely yeah, you got to get Kyle Kuzma away from this team but you know whether it, whatever combination it is of those three with Jared Allen Spencer Dinwiddie and Karras Avert you can get a good amount for those for those players so you can get a, a good player, whether it be Bradley Beal or uh, who's Zach Levine or some something. Who knows what's going to happen? But the Nets are definitely going to try to get that three-star lineup because uh, definitely other teams are going to try to go for that three-star lineup too. So the Nets should try to stay ahead of the curve. But I don't buy it, dude. I really don't buy it. I think you need two stars and a lot of depth. That to me is the is the ideal the ideal. I don't disagree with you. I just think that, especially for a team like the Nets, who've, you know, been, especially with two stars, been like a laughing stock of the league for so long. I feel like for Sean Marks, the lure of having put three potential stars, it would be too great, and it would just be a very box office, regardless of what happens to your depth. But when you have guys who are as you know, injury prone as Kyrie and Kevin Durant, yeah, you'll have a third star, but you'll also have a paper thin lineup behind them. And no way to replace them. As we've seen this year, there's already been a huge problem with depth. I mean, poor Jared Allen has had nobody to help him. Yeah, he was by himself. And, you know, you say what you want about DeAndre Jordan, who, you know, his defensive days are over. But he's at least somebody that they can use as utility to stop a guy like Embiid. Still, still a good offensive rebounder. No, a great, no, he's an excellent offensive rebounder. He's he's Anytime he gets the ball in the paint, he's a he's a bucket. Just statistically, he's a bucket. You know, he's worth every two possessions. He's worth one and a half points, you know, in the paint. That's crazy. That's crazy. Not, not a bad player, but, you know. No, uh, sorry. He's worth three points. Yeah. Every two possessions, something like that, because he shoots like 75% for the paint. So, 
yeah, that's uh, that's insane. So the fact that they didn't have him, the fact that you know even guy like Dante Hall, aside from bodying Giannis, didn't really make too much noise. Nope. So depth is super important to me anyway, and you know they could go shopping for Zach Levine or Bradley Beal or maybe even Joel Embiid will be available. But I think they need to play it safe. I think they should go for a guy like Serge Ibaka in the offseason. Go for guys like that who you can pay 15 mil, 20 year, you know, 20 mil for two, three years. Serge Get them Ibaka on the same is, timeline. Serge Ibaka is still a great player. Yeah, he's super good. And, uh, yeah, I, I would I mean, I would be super hyped to have him on our team. And I think he's a free agent this year, too. So yeah. he's 31. He still probably has two or three more, like, productive years. years. Yeah. So get him on like a two-year, three-year deal. Put him on the same timeline as Kyrie or KD. And, you know, that way you set the tone that this is our window. Because this is the window. And I think that's all that we need to say about the Nets. So there are a bunch of series that are still going on. And I think it's probably best not to talk about them. Because, you know, what we say can become very dated very quickly. I'd rather just kind of give some comments on what we've seen so far. Like from things that are going to be interesting. And to me, there's two things that I'd like to talk about. First of all, we have to talk about Luka Doncic, who just made a ton of noise today. And then I think we should also talk a little bit about the LA Lakers. And I mean, I hope this episode comes out before Game 4. And then the last thing, because as of now, it is 8.23. Well, actually, it's 12.28 a.m. as we're recording this. But we wanted to do a Kobe episode. And originally, we were going to try to do kind of the same thing as we did for Vince Carter. But I think maybe it would just be better to let's, you know... Kobe didn't retire or anything recently. He, as many of you know, he passed away in January. I think um, it would just be nice to talk about you know, how we feel about Kobe a little bit, especially now it's 824, which are the two jersey numbers he wore. So I think that's on the agenda. And so let's start with Luka Magic, the Don, Luka Doncic. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, an incredible player. Um, has the potential to be one of the all-time greatest players. We should all know should mention what I'm exactly referencing. Walk us through what happened today. Well... He popped off. He had 43 points, 17 rebounds, and 13 assists. And crazy stat line. Uh, you know, he hit an insane buzzer-beating shot in OT over Reggie Jackson to, to tie the series up. Two, and he two. had airballed three of those shots before. I don't know about three, but he airballed a couple, like maybe two, one or two. But, you know, he's not the most... The reason why his three-point percentage is so low at 31% is because he shoots a lot of those type of shots. Um which, you know, he's not going to make a lot of the time. But I feel like his uh, three-point percentage that he has actually doesn't tell the true picture of how good a three-point shooting he actually is. So we're sitting in our living room, and uh, we had a friend over. And Jordan, shout-out Jordan, legend. Happy birthday, bro. So we're sitting in our living room, and Luca gets the ball. They're only down one. It's an overtime. And so we were. I just thought it, that he would drive. Nine seconds left. Suddenly, Reggie Jackson gives a really good foul. So they only have 3.7 seconds left. And it was a very smart foul because it basically completely limited their options. So they had from 10 seconds to even run a play to something where basically whoever gets it has to go for it. So he gets the ball at 3.7 seconds. And Reggie Jackson actually did a really great job of preventing him from getting a layup because they're only down one. So basically a layup or mid-range is what he was going for. But Lucas somehow... There's some crazy step back fadeaway from like you know a couple of feet behind the line, just lets it fly, and he had already missed a bunch of these during the game, and he still shot like well over fifty percent. Without those, I mean, he would have had probably like a over seventy percent shooting, aside from those kind of bombs that he was going for. So, 
but he stepped back and it was just straight money straight in you know just hit the back of the iron right into the basket and now it's a 2-2 series against the arguably the best team in the league right now because the Lakers are kind of a bit of pretenders and the Lakers haven't looked great and you the know Bucks look kind of sloppy the, too the Mavs they beat the Clippers without Porzingis and you know low key the Mavs should probably be up 3-1 in the series because the refs really saved the Clippers and yeah that was that was outrageous so, That's so truly outrageous um this series should really be 3-1 Mavs yeah I don't know if we talked about that on the show at no. all no but that that was that was outrageous like the yep. the technical foul on it it's the playoffs man so honestly like I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Mavericks end up winning this series especially you know in a situation like this where you have to play them seven times straight up at least seven times straight up I think it's gonna be Clippers four. in seven and but either way, you have to play him straight up. No home court advantage, nothing. You just got to play him every single time. And, you know, these are in the environments that most players are going to be comfortable in because they don't have to deal with opposing, opposing uh, fan pressure or anything like that. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Mavericks could pull out. Yeah, I mean, I made that joke before. It's like they have to worry about game five and six if they're the road team. Yeah. No. Yeah, It's clear that, like, the players, the, the whole virtual environment barely impacts them. It's just colors on the screen. It, do, it doesn't really affect them in any which way like it's just basically seven straight games there's there's not really an advantage like kind of like what i was saying months ago that this whole like virtual campus thing was not going to really be able to replicate the effects of home court so i i, I was going to ask like what is the biggest problem for the clippers right now well this... but it's very obvious i think anybody who's watched or knows anything about NBA basketball knows what the problem is here. Play, playoff P, man. Pandemic P, Plan B P. He's all been the names on Twitter. Horrible. I mean, he's scored thir- He scored what nine points this game. He had thirteen. The nine last on game. three of thirteen. He had thirteen points in game three. I mean, Paul George, to his credit, he is the sole reason why the Clippers are losing these games. And also, the Clippers still don't have Patrick Beverly yet. But I mean, how big of a loss is that? He I don't think it's Luka that much. dropped forty yeah. on him in game one. So I I don't know. And Paul George, to his credit, said that if he was shooting the ball better, they'd probably have won the series already. And, yeah, you know, he's, he's probably, averaging something... Probably, he's probably right. He's averaging something like 11 points on 20% shooting. 21%. Like, yeah, it's horrible. 16% from three. It's truly miserable. I don't know what happened. Because, like, you know, he was averaging 20 points per game during the seeding games. And people were like, okay, yeah, he looks... Man, he, he was, was really shooting. Good. He was stroking from deep, too. So... I don't know. It's really interesting to me how kind of the narrative switches so quickly because now people are already saying, "Oh, he's uh, he sucks in the playoffs." But that was not the narrative at all. Literally, nobody was warning anyone about that when he signed with the Clippers. So I think people are just kind of bandwagoning on him because it's funny. For what it's worth, it is really funny. And um, you know, he even said he had that cursed line after Game Three where he's like, "I'm, I'm not, not James Harden." Yeah, what which you... uh, I mean, come on. This is very, no one cares. A very soft thing to say. So for me, you know, uh, this. Probably by Tuesday, we'll see what happens. But um, I think if the Mavericks win Game 5, it's over for the Clippers. I'm counting them out at that point. Uh, and really, the only thing that can save the Clippers at this point is either Kawhi just puts them on his back, but I don't know how good that is for the team long term. The other option is, of course, Paul George, Paul George just, just picks it up. Gets his head out of the dumpster. And I hope he does because, you know, when Paul George is playing well, like he's, it's, he's really fun to watch. Yeah. And people are saying he's always sucked in the playoffs. That's an abject lie because he was like two years ago for the Thunder or even last year, he was like easily the best player in the playoffs for the Thunder, like two years in a row, basically. So, you know, he, it's not like he's always sucked in the playoffs. He's just 
really struggling. And it kind of makes sense. It's really, it's a very difficult season for a lot of reasons. Even, you know, you look at a guy like LeBron. LeBron definitely has taken a step back. Like, he's taken a concrete step back. I mean, he had a great game. Um, he did. In game three. But overall, for the eight seeding games in the bubble and the first couple of games in the playoffs, he really did not look like himself at all. And I mean, again, you say, you say what you want about LeBron, but keep in mind, he did score 10 points. In a, in a playoff game, yeah. No, was... When was the last time we saw that from LeBron? Listen. Like... When has he ever scored 10 points I, in a playoff game? Like, LeBron just has not looked the same. I mean, he's had, already said there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. We don't really know what it is. What's but, he said, though? Just the stuff behind the scenes? Yeah, he has really hasn't... Yeah, I mean, he's just saying, oh, you know, he's talked about all these issues that he's dealing with in the bubble, but, like, everybody's dealing with them, too. Like, nobody wants to hear those excuses. Yeah. Right now, like everybody's dealing with it. No, but I'm sure he misses his family because everybody normally does, August though. and September is like when NBA players are with their family. Everybody does. You don't think every other NBA players though miss their families too? No, but the younger guys don't have the same kind of families. Some, life. some of them do. Yeah, some, some of them, them don't. Some of them are grown and have kids already. So he's not the only one, and it it comes off, you know, like he's you know making excuses because he really hasn't been playing well. AD has been on again, off again. The Lakers, I mean. They're definitely going to win the first round for sure. They're just in disarray, man. I mean, again, Rockets are coasting right now. Yeah, but if those but CP ZB did it was going off crazy for sure. But I think Russell Westbrook is in a playing game four. But either way, uh, the Lakers have looked a little bit pretend have looked like pretenders so far to me. Um, obviously, I still I still would pick them to get out of the West. But if they don't pick it up, I'll change. I'll easily get off that bandwagon very quickly. So yeah, the last thing I actually want to ask about Luca is people immediately started making comparisons between him and Trey Young. And uh, do you think that they're at the same level? Not even close. I mean, yeah. Trey Young, in my opinion, has is incapable of leading a team to a winning record just on the on fact, his own. On his own, the fact that he plays is is by far the worst defender in the league, and it's not even close. And I just I'm not sold on him uh, being a solo act. We've seen this already for two years. If the team has been hor- has been horrible both years, Luca, it just affects your team. It makes makes your team better by far. I don't know if Trey Young does that yet. So you know, even after Luca hit that crazy game winner, Trey Young tweeted like, "Oh, uh, we're we're chasing the greats, not each other." <laughs> uh, something like really stupid. Nobody mentioned you, like, bro, nobody, until you said that. Like. Because he, I guess he always he got under skin. Now people always would troll him on Twitter about Luca. How they got traded for him and changed in spots or whatever. So he definitely, I've heard him talk about how it annoyed him. So whatever he talked about it, but but here's the thing, dude. Like when they were both in high school, Luca was winning championships in Europe, and Trey Young was a freaking high schooler. So yeah, I think in a couple of years you gotta give Trey Young some time. But right now, I mean, Luca was NBA ready from when he came there. You saw with it, he had like basically the best rookie season in the, like the last thirty years, where he averaged like twenty nine points. It's insane, like like just crazy. And you know, he, when he just arrived on the team, the Mavericks got better by like ten games. And now, like that, he's on his own. And yeah, that you know, I think you know that was like Nowitzki's last year and stuff. Yeah, and symbolic passing the torch. They missed the playoffs that year. But. Yeah, they missed it, but like clearly it was like a big improvement. And now that they've added some more pieces, really good players. Like we said on previous episodes, like one through twelve on the Mavericks, they're deep. Each team. one of them is a NBA caliber player. You don't look at anyone on there and say that guy's a scrub. 
That's just not true. Even yeah. like a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith or Maxi Kleba, like they're even the guys you would say are the worst on the team are solid NBA players that they would start on a bad team. So they're definitely a deep team, maybe not deep in the same way as the Clippers, but clearly it hasn't helped the Clippers much. Like it took like almost 40 points from Lou Will and it was still a loss. It's a loss. So what it's going to take for the Clippers for me is they need Paul George to step up. I think if he doesn't step up they're and they lose. get bounced, but they're also the, the chemistry issues that the Clippers will have after that will be severe. To look at him, the fact that he hasn't even been like the fourth or fifth best player for the Clippers right now, and he's making that much money, will just cause issues on on the team. That's all I want to say about them. And then let's talk a little bit. Let's make some predictions about the Laker game. Who do you think is going to take the Laker game tomorrow? I think the Lakers will take it. I haven't been really impressed with Dame or CJ either, even though they put up numbers that they, they and Melo's been playing well too. Uh, I just I think the Lakers are going to take it. Um, this Portland team, you know, credit to them, they made it all the way down from. Whoever knows what seed they were before the bubble started into the A seed, but I don't see uh, how the uh, Blazers are going to get past the Lakers. So I think the Lakers are going to win. I think they really needed Game Three, and one of the most disgusting things was hearing the commentators and NBA Twitter saying that Lakers defense was so good. I had to laugh. Like there was a possession where they literally did not come back on yeah, D. Was, yeah, but the Blazers just were not able to Le- hit any LeBron shots. LeBron or AD did not run back on defense. They literally didn't run back. And yeah. you know, and then they're saying, "Oh, the Lakers' defense has been so excellent. Why? Because they're missing shots. They're missing shots because they were missing shots, not because the Lakers were doing anything about it. This Lakers team is known not to play any defense. Danny Green and KCP. You know, basically, uh, KCP has been a question mark since he arrived, and that was his one saving grace. That people say, "Oh yeah, well he locks up, and he hasn't locked up anybody." You know, uh, and, and the same- Smith is minus forty six in the games that he's played so far. They brought him for shooting. They brought him for backup shooting. I mean, he hasn't even done that. But. Exactly. So, so, you know, we'll see what happens with the Lakers. I th- I agree with you. I think the Lakers are taking game four. And this is the one of the few times that I hope I'm wrong. So, yeah. I think that's all the NBA news I'd like to talk about. Um, has your opinions changed about the finals matchup? No. Well, I think the Raptors are really legit to get to the finals. I think the Raptors can beat the Bucks again. The Raptors and I don't know if they will. The Celtics are still also still a very good team too. And it's, um, again, it's such a volatile situation in the bubble right now. No, um, I know it's really anything could happen. And you know, even I'll, I'll just have to mention it, but the Jazz, who were basically they were like I think the sixth seed, and they're on the cusp of upsetting the, the, the Nuggets. Yeah, it was Donovan Mitchell has been popping off. Although they're really not a sixth seed. <laughs> In terms of talent, I mean, they could just as just as easily have been the third seed, and that's completely on them. So. Yeah, I mean, also they they're missing Bogdanovich too, and you know, I don't think he's gonna be able to rejoin them because he's injured. Yep. But that's crazy if they would beat the Nuggets in the first round. It'll be a disappointment for the Nuggets too because they were seen as a elite team. So. Yeah. All right. With that being said, I think uh, the last thing since we just mentioned the Lakers, uh, you know, today is eight twenty four officially, and so as I've known you. You've always been a huge Kobe fan, so I'll just give you a couple minutes to just say whatever you want, which is because you know we have this basketball podcast now. We didn't have it in January. I kind of wish we did. I kind of wish we started this earlier, but I had always was waiting for like the right time to just kind of have this conversation. And I think that you know now that it's you know eight twenty three and you know everybody and eight twenty four now is kind of the two days that everybody in the NBA world used to. Uh, dedicate to Kobe and we saw a huge amount of support and uh, 
thoughtful words from his loved ones and from his former teammates and former friends. And so, yeah, I'll just give you the, the mic. Yeah, well, um, you know, growing up as a kid, my mom was really strict about um, watching sports because she really wanted us to focus on our grades. And, you know, there was only a couple times where she used to let us watch TV. It was usually during the finals, either the Super Bowl or the NBA finals. So it was, I, it was you know, 2008, 2009. I turn on the TV and I'm watching the NBA finals. And it was uh, Kobe versus uh, the Celtics. Mm-hmm. I remember And this. they actually lost. Um, that year, but I was, you know, just so amazed watching Kobe for the first time that, you know, I was mesmerized by it. I, I, and after, since then, I, after that moment, I, all I wanted to do was play basketball, and that's what I continued to do. Um, after that, you know, I started playing, you know, around 7th, 8th grade, 8th grade, you know, I played a lot. Ninth uh, grade, I, I consistently played for hours in the summer. I really tried to model Kobe's workouts that he used to do in the summer, similar to mine, you know, I would practice seven or eight hours a day and every day in the summer, really just trying to perfect my craft. I really wanted to be like him. He, you know, inspired me in so many ways, you know, with the whole mob mentality. And, uh, you know, uh, when he, he passed, it was, it hit home for me because, you know, there was a time in my life where I was extremely sick and you know, the outlook was not very great at that point. And, uh, you know, Kobe's, that was happened to be Kobe's final year. And, you know, that got me through it. Watching him play, even the, the last game, that helped me out so much because I was, seen in, I was in a place where I didn't really know what was going to happen next. And I always just always thought, you know, I could just get up the next day and put one foot, try to put one foot in front of the other. You know everything is gonna is is gonna be okay. So you know when he unfortunately passed, it felt like you know my north star, my rock was taken away from me because he helped me get through so much. Even though I I never knew him, I I wish I was able to tell him how much he meant to me, but I can't, and it, it still hurts me to this day. He really means a lot to me. He's my hero. He always will be my hero. I have stickers of him on my door in my bedroom that I put from years ago. They're still there. I have pictures of him. I had posters of him in my hospital room all over the place. And, you know, he was a, he was a, a god to me. I mean, he could do no wrong. He was just, to me, the, the, even though he's not the greatest player of all time, he will always be the greatest of all, he will always be the greatest player of all time to me. And that's just, you know, why I love him so much. And yeah. It, Very well said. And uh, I'll just yeah I'll I'll just add that um, when Kobe passed, I remember I got texts from so many people from you know when things were really bad with my with Ethan, my brother. Um, so many people who were kind of in our lives at the time, just saying how is Ethan doing, uh, and I'm sure you got texts too. But you know, kind of uh, Ethan even wore he wore number 24 in high school or number eight if he didn't have number 24. And, um, you know, the, the coaches would call him, like, Baby Kobe or Jewish Kobe. And it was really funny. And Ethan always loved, like, I remember Ethan, like, literally one summer. I want to say it was the summer going into high school. Every single day I would go outside and I would see him maybe for four or five hours trying to do the Kobe fadeaway. Like, every single summer. That's all he would work on. And 
he got it really nice. And then, like, as you said, you know, when he was really sick, I still remember the hospital room, no matter where he went. We couldn't bring everything with us. But always those Kobe fatheads would always move around. So they'd always be on whatever door you were in. And uh, now they're in your bedroom door. And uh, I kind of felt the same way. I even remember the 60-point game. You were so sick that you could barely move. And uh, you were just starting to get your movement back. And um, I remember after he had number 60, uh, I just look behind me and I see that your arms were up. And you had never done that before. So somehow, like, you had that, you got that strength. And I, like, I started crying. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, as kids, like, we love superheroes and stuff like that. And athletes can be that real-life superheroes. And uh, that's what Kobe was to a lot of people. Um, no matter, yeah, you know, what happens during the day, no matter what happened that day, you get up and you work even harder the next day. And you keep on doing that every single day until you get better and you see results. And that's what the mama mentality was. And that's what it should mean to everybody. No matter if you know Kobe or not, that's just the type of lifestyle that you have to approach life with. And, you know, everything is going to be a lot better. Forget about what happened that day. Assess it. Fix it. Get up the next day and do better. And, you know, like when I heard what had happened um, that day, I was kind of, just doing work at the College Observatory, and the, since then, like the only thing, honestly, when I think of Kobe, is I think about his daughter Gianna, because she was killed in that crash too, and she was basically killed with her father. Their last moments, I, I can't even imagine, and you know, she died like basically because she also wanted so much to follow in the footsteps of her of her dad and become a great player. And, you know, that unfortunately was just just a, tra a tragedy, the helicopter crash. I mean, I remember the news. I, ref I didn't want to believe it. And in a way, like, it, it was like losing a family member. Like, that that's the kind of... I, I, and it, it's not just like it was for me. I think, like, this is, like, culturally in America is, like, the biggest death since, like, Michael Jackson passed away where just everybody's talking about it and everybody's like, whoa, this is not supposed to be like this, you know? Like, Kobe was... Supposed to be like the ambassador right now, you know, giving people tips, you know, texting them in the bubble saying, oh, this is how, how you got to take advantage of the situation. I mean, he would have loved this. And uh, it's just, it's really sad that it is what it is. That's life, guys. I mean, I said it last time, we don't live long enough to, uh, to hate and to get all this negativity. And obviously, we all struggle with it. But I think that the mama mentality is how we got to live our lives. You got to work your tail off every day you got to beat everybody you can beat and you can't beat them until you beat yourself so it's always a struggle to just work your absolute hardest and achieve as much as you can and at the same time you know life is short and we just got to learn to appreciate it too and that's kind of uh that's the way to live so yeah thank you thank you for sharing and um all i can say is rest in peace kobe Rest in peace. Until next time, man. Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant. Rest in peace. And, you know, part of why I'm really rooting for the Lakers, I normally wouldn't, but um, yeah, it I would, think it would be really cool for them to win a chip. It would definitely be poetic for if him. they won for him. It's part of the reason why I, 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 you know, I usually don't like to root for LeBron, but this time I kind of am. Because I, I would like to see them win the championship in memory of Kobe. And they had those Mamba jerseys the year after you retired. Yep. Which is, I think was like my senior year of high school. And um, they said they'll bring those back if they make it to the second round. 
and those are some sick jerseys. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, I I can't really say I'm rooting for the Lakers because this is such they should be so heavily favored, and the fact that like they let Melo play well enough for it to be considered a throwback matchup is just kind of sad to me. So I hope the Lakers do what they got to do. And I hope that they stop pretending and they start showing us what they can be, which is the best team in the league. And as for Kobe, um, I mean, in a way, there's not much to be said that hasn't been said. But yeah, until next time, until we see you again. And, uh, you know, I'm not a very spiritual person, but, you know, if there is any sort of uh, heaven after this, then I know that that's where we'll find Kobe on the courts over there, you know be teaching everyone be teaching jesus and uh moses and muhammad how to uh break some ankles against the devil right so yeah man i guess uh tune in next week hopefully all the first round series will be done bring the news to you if you haven't followed us on twitter at get bucket pod follow us on spotify follow us on apple podcasts leave a review if you like what you listen to And uh, we are actually working on a little deal. So hopefully we'll have some more news about that in the next few weeks. But yeah, is there anything else you'd like to say? Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys guys. next time. Take it easy. Peace.